Hey everyone, this is Last Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode, we're talking about your Detroit Pistons. Ben Gulker and I talk about Cade Cunningham officially becoming a Piston, the roster shakeups the Pistons made on draft night and after the draft, the prospects they picked up in the second round, and some of the free agents Detroit's rumored to be interested in this offseason. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this offseason. With all that said... It's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased. As always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. What's up, Ben? Laz, I am doing well today. Happy August, everybody. Hope all our listeners are doing well. Excited to talk about the new look Pistons. Laz, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Happy uh, day zero before free agency, everyone. (laughs) Uh, By the time you're listening to this, free agency will start at 6 on Monday, if I remember correctly. So like, you can listen to this. Uh, and then free agency will start. So it's not like, uh, and you'll miss anything. So that's good. Uh, yeah. But first, before we get to free agency, we need to talk about the draft, Ben, because that was the big thing that happened this week. The Pistons actually drafted Cade Cunningham. Were, were, were you surprised? What, what were you feeling? What were the emotions that were going through your, uh, your brain when that occurred? Well, I was really excited about that. I mean, I think probably like everybody else, I saw the news that broke several hours before you know, the draft telecast actually happened. Um, But yeah, I was happy. I was relieved. You know, I think typically when a guy is a consensus number one player, typically those guys turn into pretty good NBA players. Um, You know, I'm really anxious to see what Cade Cunningham looks like against NBA competition. Um, I think there's, you know, he's not a sure thing to be a superstar, I don't think, but that potential is definitely there. Uh, and and I think, you know, he looks like he's going to be a pretty good pro. So so I'm super excited. And then, uh, you know, just watching the telecast, watching the things that he had to say, you know, during the actual ESPN broadcast, uh, during the press conference thereafter, all that kind of stuff just made me really excited to have Cade Cunningham as a Piston. Yeah, the, the press conference in particular, uh, he was very composed uh, during all that. And uh, it gives you kind of level of insight into his maturity. And, you know, even Troy Weaver bringing up the fact that, uh, you know, part of the reason that they were attracted to Cade was um, that he was a good person, that he had like, you know, the solid, the leadership qualities that they look for uh, in a top overall pick. Um, With that in mind, Ben, what did you think of the decision uh, to let him wear number two? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I don't know if I have super strong feelings about this, Laz. I'm cool with it, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I guess I just don't have super strong feelings about it. Um, I imagine there probably are those who are, but or there are those who do have strong feelings, but 
I think I'm cool with it. Okay. Okay. I thought I thought it said more about um the expectations around Cade that are like being immediately placed on him than it did about Cade himself, right? Like um he he did the right thing. He was, you know, very grateful to the family of Chuck Daly in in the press conference and on social media later. So you understand like why why they let him do it. But I got to imagine that like I don't know if if Luke Kennard had really wanted to wear number two, for example, like I don't I don't <laughs> think that would have gone down. Um, but for before the first uh, overall pick that the Pistons have had in the last fifty years, right? Like they're they're willing to bend the rules a little bit. But uh, now, but that that's just like one more level of like expectation on him, right? Is like don't don't make us regret bringing this number down from the rafters, right? <laughs> Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you talk about the first number one pick in, you know, in my lifetime, your lifetime. Mm-hmm. It, it's obviously a different scenario. And I, I think the way that it has been handled and discussed so far is, I think, what makes me cool with it, right? Okay. What's the uh, what's the one thing you want to see from Cade in uh, Summer League? Because that, that's coming really quickly, right? Summer League starts, I think, on the 8th or the 9th. <laughs> yeah, if it, if it waits too long, it's not going to be summer anymore. So yeah. <laughs> it's... it's it's got to happen soon. Um, okay, so I, I want to see how his athleticism stacks up. I think that's potentially, you know, one of the knocks um, that he has is, you know, how explosive is he or is he not, right? So I want to see how that athleticism stands up. That's number one. I think 1A is going to be um, how, how does the shot making hold up against a little bit stronger defense that we've seen so far. Right? Obviously, very versatile scorer in college. We've seen the highlight reels over and over again at this point. How does that shot making stack stack up against bigger, quicker, faster, stronger NBA defenses? So that's my one and one A. I, I those are both good choices. Uh, I'm also curious about the uh, the shot making against taller, longer, stronger, smarter, smarter defenders, mm-hmm. right? The sure. Defenders with. Uh, more you know, like uh, this might not necessarily happen in summer league right but with uh a, you know more detailed scouting reports for example how, how uh people who know like what he's what dribble combination he's trying to utilize how that might get to uh how, how he's gonna you know counteract that in the long term but yeah i'm i'm curious to see obviously how he and killian look on the floor together i presume both of those guys will be on the floor at the same time in in vegas uh we don't have the summer league roster yet. Like I've seen some other, I've seen like the Lakers summer league roster, but I haven't seen the Pistons summer league roster officially announced as of five Oh nine PM on Sunday. So if it comes out later, we just didn't have it at the time. Sorry guys. Um, but yeah, that, I think that's the thing I'm, I'm most curious about like how, how they play together and how he's deployed uh, next to Killian and how, you know, Killian's deployed next to him, how, how comfortable both of those guys look, uh, playing next to each other. They talked about it a little in the press conference about how, like, you know, he thinks that they can play off of each other. Um, there was a, a story. Well, everybody, I think all the, uh, all the beat writers got access to Killian to write a, the story about like how the, his uh, off season training is going with John Beeline, uh, like the couple days before the draft. And so like, obviously like, they asked him like, you know, how, how do you feel about playing like off the ball next to another playmaker, you know, cough cough Cade cough cough because he hadn't been drafted yet <laughs> and uh he, he seemed to be 
uh, appreciative of that. You, you remember he you know played a little bit off the ball to end the season with with Saban Lee playing uh, on the ball, and so it's like I I think I think it can definitely work. I'm very optimistic it can work. I still like want to see how it, how the initial results look when, when we get to Vegas. All right, Ben. Uh, next up, the Pistons. Uh, Kate Cunningham was not the only draft selection the Pistons made on draft night. The uh, the forty second overall pick they took Isaiah Livers out of Michigan. Uh, we brought him up last week as a potential draftee that we would like to see uh, for the Pistons. So it was really cool to uh, to see that happen. This nice marriage of um, like what we're thinking, what the front office is thinking. Ben, uh, do you like the pick, Ben? I do like the pick. I think that's a it's a really nice second round selection for anyone who hasn't uh, read Matt Way's piece about um, Isaiah Livers, which I think was just posted today. So it's Sunday, August 1st today. I, I believe it was just posted today. He's got a really fantastic breakdown. Uh, Matt's a fellow Michigan fan. And uh, I mean, I co-sign everything he wrote in that piece. I think obviously the shooting is the immediate skill that he brings to the table. He was a knockdown shooter in college. I see that translating very, very well. He's a very good team-oriented offensive player. He's very smart off of the ball. He moves well. He cuts well. Uh, and I think Matt points out he, he seems to kind of have a nose for where to be without the ball um, pretty much all the time. He's just he's really good without the ball. Uh, the concerns, I think, you know, positionally, where does he fit? Uh, you know, which forward position does he slot into naturally? I think he's got weaknesses at either one that he's going to have to address. And I think particularly defensively is where that could potentially be, uh, you know, the thing that keeps him from getting a lot of minutes early on. He's got to be better about moving his fate. His lateral quickness is not outstanding. Um, so that maybe puts him at a bit of a disadvantage out on the perimeter against a stretch four or, you know, more typical small forward position. Um, but look, I, I think this is a fantastic choice in the second round. Shooting is a skill when he he's just a pure shooter. You look at his, his free throw and three-point shooting numbers, that is going to translate. Uh, and if he's able to make some, um, you know, some, some decent improvements defensively as a team defender, uh, then I think you can look at him as, a, you know, sort of a specialist role. And obviously the Pistons want to add all the shooting they can. So, yeah, I'm absolutely a, a fan of this pick in the second round. Uh, I know, I know positionally, like things are fluid in the NBA right now. Like, you know, we're, we're talking positionless basketball, but do you, do you think he ends up sliding in more as a wing or do you think he, he ends up more of like a stretch four over the course of his career? So my gut would tell me more three, um, you know, okay. at the college level, he played more four. He's obviously get away with it. Um, so I think that's kind of the natural conversation is like, does he have the ability to do that at the next level? And I, I'm, I'm skeptical unless they're really small lineups. So I think that that lateral quickness is the thing he's going to have to work to mitigate. And he's obviously a very smart player. So I, I think he can mitigate some of that by positioning himself well, understanding defensive schemes and playing them correctly. So, yeah, I, I envision him more as as a three than a four in the okay. for sure. OK, that. I'm I'm glad for that additional bit of context because like that's like that's the last piece of the puzzle for me is like wondering like uh, you know if if he's not going to get to that place uh, defensively where he's moving laterally well it's like what kind of uh, what kind of a forward am I going to have to pair with him in order to to kind of like make up for his some of his deficiencies and with like a if he's going to play the three, you can use like a bigger guy and just count on him to do some rebounding um, and kind of make an impact defensively that way. And so that, that, that makes a lot of sense. 
Um, I was excited by the pick. Uh, I have talked, you know, over multiple podcasts about how the Pistons just need a, another catch and shoot three point shooter guy. And he absolutely takes care of that already has NBA range. You brought up the, the three point and free throw percentages. This is uh, over like a long sample, right? You spend uh, three, four years in college. Uh, this is not, and was a good shooter functionally, like all of those years, like this is not a fluke, right? Um, my, my thinking now is like, who is he taking minutes from, right? Like the roster isn't complete. We are going to talk about free agents later. So it's like, we, you don't even know what the roster looks like right now. Before now, it kind of looks like he's like crowding out Frank Jackson, but that's weird, right? Because we just talked about how he's a three and Frank is like a, a two um, functionally for the Pistons. So, so Ben, what, where, who, who do you think he ends up like taking minutes from? Or do you think he, he plays, uh, you know, rotation minutes right away? You know, I'm not sold that he's going to play a lot of rotation minutes right away, Laz. I think um, I, I think he's going to have to prove himself defensively, especially to Dwayne Casey. And I think that that might mean we see him develop a little more slowly than we saw the rookies from a season ago. Um, you know, if he, if he slots at the three, you know, you're right. I think it depends on how the roster shakes out. <laughs> you know, obviously we were going to talk about Servetus, but we don't need to talk about Servetus <laughs> anymore. Nope because he's no longer on the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I would not be shocked to see him get limited minutes over the first 20 to 40 games and, and then gradually uh, play some more minutes, you know, even though that potentially does mean some of the, the returning guys on the roster get a little bit less. But that that wouldn't surprise me if it turns out that way. Okay, okay. And uh, we're not going to talk about Cerritos for long, but I will note uh, we got a tweet that he's going to play on the team in summer league. He's going to play the Pistons team uh, in summer league, despite the fact that he was just cut, which is uh, a little weird. But that's yeah. awkward. Yeah, more <laughs> more power to him. All right, Ben. Uh, let's move on to the next uh, draft pick the Pistons made. Luca Garza, the uh, Burley Naismith Player of the uh, Year Award winner uh, out of Iowa. Um, what what do you think he adds to the Pistons, Ben? Yeah, this is an interesting selection. Um, yeah. I actually have some friends and family who live in Iowa who are huge Hawkeyes fans. So I actually chatted with them over the weekend about this selection. And I think anyone who's watched tape, it's sort of immediately obvious that the question about him is, does his game translate? He's a throwback big man, right? I mean, he's, a, he's an old school big guy. And he just didn't typically face guys who were as big as he is, right? So he was able to put up all of these absurd numbers, especially during his senior year and became this very decorated college player who suddenly slips to the second round, right? So, um, you know, I think what he adds is, and this is where I think my conversations with some of those Iowa friends is helpful, is, you know, you're obviously taking a very low risk, you know, it's a really low risk pick as any second round pick would be. And, you're, you're sort of looking at his ability to shoot the ball from deep, right, as a skill that could potentially translate. And then the thing that was, was noted to me is how coachable he was. Uh, if you look at his journey throughout his college career, um, it, it became obvious that the way that he was able to develop his game and his coachability uh, was a really important part of why he was so successful by the time he was a senior. Um, so, you know, what does he add to the team? Well, I think he, he potentially adds some stretch bigs, 
right? He had some 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 stretchiness at the five position, potentially coming off the bench. And, and what you're hoping he develops is um, the ability to turn some of that inside scoring, um, you know, not not at the same rate potentially, but sort of a, a scoring punch on the inside in your second unit. Um, so I think that's kind of what we would be hoping for out of Garza. Um, you know, it, is all of that big man stuff going to translate? Uh, he's not going to be the biggest guy on the floor anymore. So we're going to see, and hopefully we're going to see real quickly come summer league, um, but potentially some more spacing in the second unit. So a, a bit of a scoring punch from the five position uh, off the bench is I think what we're hoping for. I think like he is, he is a big dude, right? He's six ten, seven foot wingspan. Um, he's like two sixty, two seventy. Yeah. He's a big guy. He's a big dude. And so, I think like he might not be the biggest dude on the floor in like a starting lineup, but uh, as we as we uh, move more towards uh, like skill in in the NBA, I think there's a good chance he's bigger or like you know just as big as anybody else on a lot of bench units. And so I think if that's going to be his role right away in the league, I I think there's a chance he can make an immediate impact like in in that post up role. It's just um, getting him to you know getting it to be like more than that against starting level uh nba centers and like defensive schemes that actually uh like pay attention to him i think will be will be interesting but yeah i think he could be a really effective weapon off the bench as a as a mainly offensive like scoring punch uh down low and and the stretch element like you mentioned my big question for garza is obviously about the defense um uh, just like looking at some of the looking at some of his like clips during the year, uh, our very own uh, Steve Peltier, uh, aka Duke City versus everybody, he put out uh, a really nice piece on Garza on uh, Detroit Bad Boys. I encourage everybody to check that piece out as well. But uh, pointing out some of Garza's deficiencies on defense, his inability to to move laterally, which is like really bad um, for a center. Um, for the guy who's supposed to anchor your defense, it was just uh, it was really gave him struggles. And what uh, what, Steve, what Steve also noted was the amount of uh, effort it took from the other four guys on the team at Iowa and from the coaching staff to kind of scheme around Garza's limitations on that defensive end. And I wonder if we're going to get like that same level of dedication from an NBA team, right? Like if, uh, if you're, the the amount like you have to be so good on offense in order to be uh for in order for a coaching an NBA coaching staff to be willing to scheme around you defensively in that kind of way, even if even if you're coming off the bench for a young team. And so like that that is my main concern from Garza. But ultimately, like you mentioned very early in in, in your uh, talking about him, Ben, like this is a very, very low investment for on, on the Pistons part, right? This is the fifty second overall pick. Um most 52nd overall picks do not end up becoming like, you know, rotation players in the NBA. Um, even highly decorated college basketball 52nd overall picks don't necessarily aren't necessarily guaranteed to be something in the NBA. And so if uh, if Garza's inability to defend at the NBA level um, poses a problem and he's not able to make it in the NBA and he's playing in Europe or whatever, like it's still it's not, you know, uh, crippling in, in a way that um like matters to to the pistons because of the the minimal investment in him and like what uh what what the pistons made and so like I'm, I'm hoping garza works but like if he doesn't it's not the end of the world right 
Totally agree. I mean, this is this is completely taking a flyer on a guy who you hope you can coach up his defense to the point where it's passable, right? And if that happens, you've potentially got a nice little scoring weapon off the bench. And I think you're thrilled with that when you're talking about, you know, picks way late into the second round. Absolutely. All right, Ben, uh, the last but not least draft pick that the Detroit Pistons made uh, was Balsa Koprivica. Uh, Koprivica? Koprivica. <laughs> Balsa. We're just going to go with Balsa. Um, he's another center. He's uh, seven feet tall. He looks he looks like a lot taller. They're like He doesn't look a lot taller than Garza, but he's noticeably taller than Garza, which I thought was interesting because, again, just got done talking about how big a dude Garza is. Um, not not really well known coming into this draft. Uh, was part of like a, a center rotation at Florida State. Um, kind of a mystery man. So Ben, what, what do you? Uh, what kind of uh, impact are you kind of expecting out of Balsa? Like, what, <laughs> what, what do we? What do we want? Yeah, I I remember on draft night when this pick was made, hopping onto DBB to to anxiously await what the the preview of him would be because I also knew very knew very little to nothing about him right and I think it was Sean who who sort of took the reins that night and kind of said that right like we don't know a lot about him wasn't necessarily expected to be drafted so there's just not a lot of information about him right now so you know I don't know what do I expect well he's a really big dude and if you google him you see some some really cool clips of him dunking and stuff but it's hard to find much more than that so yeah i mean i think kind of a flyer you hope that a really big dude turns into uh you know a second or third big which we'll probably talk about in a minute the pistons are gonna need that so yeah i mean i'm looking forward to summer league because i just don't know what to think of this guy right now yeah i think the thing that stood out to me was that at his size which uh is listed at seven feet i think he might be like seven feet uh two inches tall which would be pretty big He, he was very fluid Right. It's you don't often see guys that tall with that level of fluidity, Uh, good hands around the rim. Pretty, uh, you know, all of his highlights are dunks, but he he elevates like nicely. He doesn't elevate uh, very slow. He elevates pretty well, actually. And so you could imagine him kind of being like a, a, a secondary like lob threat guy who's also like not who's able to like move his feet laterally on defense. And it's like, yeah, that that could that could totally work. Like, will it? I, I really don't know. It's like this is uh I suspect he will spend a lot of time with the Motor City Cruise and um the Motor City Cruise might be really fun to watch and so uh <laughs> we might be able to track his progress there. But yeah, I don't I don't expect him to to play that many mis- minutes for the Pistons at all this season. And uh that's kind of fine, right? Like you don't you don't want to be in a position where you're relying on the 57th overall pick to play minutes. All right, Ben. Uh Pistons also uh, made some undrafted free agency acquisitions, uh, guys who didn't get drafted but were still signed with the Pistons for for summer league or training camp. Uh, the first guy was Chris Smith out of UCLA. Uh, he was coming off an ACL tear, but before that, he had uh, maybe not lottery potential, but definitely like first round potential. Uh, so, what what do you think of the risk versus the reward on a guy like Chris Smith, Ben? Well, there's almost no risk, so you you absolutely love the potential reward here right um summer league summer league acquisition um obviously coming off of a very serious injury but as you mentioned prior to that looked like he could be a contributor at the next level so absolutely love this um you know laz you've talked about 
uh, Troy Weaver's de- desire to sort of have these like second chance at lottery picks. Well, Chris Smith might not be, may not have been a lottery pick, but it's sort of a second chance at a guy with, you know, potentially a lot of NBA athleticism and skill, assuming he's able to come back healthy. So I'm a fan of this. I'm, I'm always a fan of rooting for guys who suffered an injury and, and find a way to come back and be productive. So I like this. I'm cheering for him. I hope he's healthy and find his way back into the NBA. No, absolutely. Uh, I'm also a fan of this. Uh, Chris Smith was somebody uh, we, we kind of looked at last year in last year's draft. He decided to come back to UCLA and try and improve his draft stock, but he was definitely intriguing, uh, you know, as recently as 18 months ago. And the other thing I will say is that like uh, it's 2021 uh, ACL tear rehab has gotten a lot better. And so I don't foresee like any real issues with his athleticism, like moving forward, despite the ACL tear, even if it happened at um, not a young age, but like a, a young enough age that you feel comfortable about it moving forward. And so, uh, you know, clearly I think he will probably play in summer league. If they like what they see in summer league. He'll probably uh, be on the cruise again, another exciting uh, potential addition to the motor city cruise. But yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how this one plays out. If, uh, if he hits, that's the kind of that's like another six eight scoring uh, playmaker type uh, on your team, and like that's again like what every team is looking for is those six eight guys who can handle the ball and, and uh, create their own shots, and so like that that'd be really interesting and intriguing. Um, yeah, and one of the comps I read yeah. about him was uh, to Trevor Ariza, and I thought that was an interesting comparison. I've, I was always a Trevor Ariza fan. I thought he was a really key part of some very good teams, but in a very sort of understated like role-playing role, like kind of one of the guys who helped coin the term three and D player. Right. So, um, you know, that would be a wonderful guy to be able to add at, at such a low risk if he, if he can get there. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, last but not least, John Petty jr. Uh, shooting guard out of Alabama. He can shoot the heck out of the ball, but I don't think he really does uh, anything else at an NBA level, but you can really, you can really shoot the ball. <laughs> you know yeah. And I- yeah, yeah. I read uh, I read the transcript of a press conference that his college coach uh, participated in um, after the Pistons after it leaked that the Pistons were going to be signing him. And look, I would expect any college coach to sing praises, but he was just gushing ab- about John Petty Jr. So yeah, I mean, is he going to make his team? Odds are not good. But whenever you know you have a, co- a four year college player and the college coach is that enthusiastic about him, you know that that that's a great sort of guy to add to your summer league team and see what happens no absolutely if you remember uh last year in last year's draft remember uh kyra lewis jr mm-hmm. the uh the point guard mm-hmm. uh that was uh i know i searched i first started noticing petty jr when he was on the finishing end of a lot of those kyra Ju- uh, lewis jr potential assists oh, those highlight assists yeah. and so it was like oh yeah this guy this guy can actually shoot the ball really well and so again more floor spacing for the summer league team and uh, we'll see what happens, but hoping it hoping works out for, for John Petty Jr. All right, Ben, uh, with that, we should probably move into free agency and all the other stuff that happened uh, with the Pistons this week. Uh, biggest thing, I think, is actually something we should have talked about earlier that I had in the sheet but didn't get to. That's the Mason Plumley trade. I totally <laughs> forgot to bring that up. Uh, Mason Plumley uh, on draft night is like draft afternoon more than like draft night. He was traded to the Charlotte Hornets, Mason Plumley, and the 37th overall pick to Charlotte for the 57th overall pick, um, which they used to pick up our good buddy uh, Balsa. 
So Ben, what did you think of that trade when you saw it uh, on draft night? Well, first of all, I was surprised. Um, yeah. My second reaction was this, it's clearly a cap saving move, right? Like they're, they're looking at ways to be creative with the cap because uh, obviously things changed a little bit on draft night for the trajectory of the franchise. So they're looking to, to free up some space. And I, here, here's my take. When you look at particularly the guys who were waived uh, and then combine that with the Mason Plumlee trade, right? Like uh, mid-season trade of DeLon Wright, Mason Plumlee gets traded, Corey Joseph gets cut. All three of those guys to me were kind of like, I don't know, somewhat of security blankets for Dwayne Casey, right? Like I can't count the number of times where I wished like, man, I wish one of the young guys were in instead of one of these veterans. So I almost, there's a part of me that feels like maybe Troy Weaver is trying to force the youth movement <laughs> a little bit, right? Like I'm yeah. going to let, I'm not going to let Casey play these old guys because I'm going to, I'm going to trade them all and I'm going to cut them all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, Mason Plumlee, I was not a fan of the acquisition when it happened. I thought it was an overpay. It didn't make sense to me given his age. But look, he performed well, uh, especially in the first half of the season a year ago. Um, he really should be on a team that's trying to get into the playoffs because I, I think you know, he can be a fringe starter or productive bench big man on a playoff team, and that's a suitable role for him at this point in his career. So um, I got to say, like – it was a little bit painful to, to move down in the second round just to be yeah. out of Mason Plumlee's contract that I never wanted in the first place. But ultimately, you know, I, I don't think it hurt too much uh, when you look at the draft haul that they got and, you know, these these undrafted guys we just discussed. So ultimately, I think it's it's a good thing. They're, they're fully investing in the youth movement. Yeah, I think I think Mason Plumlee was probably always going to get traded, but the emergence of Isaiah Stewart uh, last year made that like accelerated the timeline on that right i think especially with the he's only got like a, a four million dollar partial guarantee for the final year of that contract if i remember correctly and so it always kind of made sense that like he'd be the stopgap until isaiah stewart was ready to to play a bigger role for the team and it turns out that was ready uh after one year instead of two and so uh yeah mason Plumley needs to be shipped out of town you're, you are also right, Ben, in that it, it did suck a little to uh, move down 20 spots in the second round in order to get off of a mere like $8 million worth of, of Mason Plumley. But again, that's not that's not crippling. Um, but it, I think it is definitely curious, especially when we get to some of the uh, free agents the Pistons are rumored to have interest in. It's, uh, it's interesting that uh, they felt that they, they had to trade Mason Plumley like now or you know prior to prior to free agency. The uh, the other big roster moves were the uh, they released Corey Joseph and so they only owe him the guaranteed money, um, but because they released him prior to today actually, so they only owe him uh, I think it's like two point four million of the twelve million uh, he was scheduled to make this season. They released Davida Servitas. We already talked about that. See you later, Dave. Uh, Dave. And they also waived Tyler Cook, who I believe had no guaranteed money for this year, but uh, was like, you know, still on the roster. So we talked a little bit about like, you know, uh, taking Dwayne Casey's kind of vet uh, security blanket away from him. But uh, he's also kind of got some holes on the roster now, Ben. And so we, we, we talked about, 
how uh, we were glad we didn't have to worry about this free agency class last week, <laughs> and then they cleared cap space, and so now we're we have to be a little bit more concerned about the quality of this cap this class, right? Um, I don't even want to like we, we there are names we're going to bring up later, but I'm before we like even start naming names that the Pistons have been linked to. What what kind of archetype do you think the Pistons like should be looking for in free agency this offseason, Ben? Yeah, that's a good question. I went back through that free agency class again yesterday and today, and <laughs> I remain not particularly excited yeah, about it, any of the yeah, guys it, that could potentially going, be... going back a week later didn't make it any better. No, it still was not anything to be too excited about. So, I, you know, I think with that in mind, the thing that I really hope Troy Weaver does is remain incredibly flexible. This is kind of what I was hoping for a season ago. Be, be flexible. It wouldn't be bad to go in with a little bit of cap room, potentially absorb, you know, a, a, a relatively bad contract and a future pick. Because look, I think the Pistons are still on a timeline of a few years away before they're they're really something interesting. So I think be patient. Don't overcommit to anybody. But then you obviously need to do what he did a season ago, which is plug in a few veteran players, you know, at very small contracts who give you at least a reasonable chance of not getting blown out of the gym all the time. Right. So, you know, like Wayne Ellington's shooting was just enough to, you know, his shooting when he was on kept them in games. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, those kind of guys, I don't think they necessarily need a shooting guard. Cause as we've talked about they're they're already pretty crowded there, but they clearly need to address uh, their, their big man rotation, right. Particularly the second unit going into the summer, you've got to think Jeremy Grant and Isaiah Stewart, are your presumptive starters at four or five, I think. Um, But then beyond that, I think there's a whole lot of question marks, right? So we we discussed the two big men, um, second round picks, but, you know, beyond that, they got to have at least a couple more big men they can throw out there who are capable of competing at the NBA level. Um, So so that's obviously where I would look first. Um, just, Just to shore up the rotation enough that you look like a real NBA team. No, no love for uh, Olympian Jaleel Okafor, Ben. <laughs> um, speaking of the Olympics, I I think I've watched every single one of Jeremy Grant's uh, Olympic minutes, and I feel bad for him <laughs> because he's basically the human victory cigar for the Olympic yeah. team. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's no good. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, Isaiah Stewart's going to start. Jeremy Grant is going to start. Um, and then, like we talked about with Luca Garza and Balsa, like maybe those guys end up in uh, on the cruise. Maybe they don't. Um, and then Jaleel Okafor, I don't. Like, I, I, if it certainly seems like the team is operating like Jaleel Okafor won't be here uh, for the long term, and so like we'll we'll see if that like has to happen right away or not. But yeah, you you mentioned uh, the the big man rotation and the Pistons have been linked to a lot of bigs uh, through uh, some of the rumor mill before free agency. Um, I think I would like even so with the, uh, with the releasing of Corey Joseph, I would like them to uh, pick up a, a point guard, a third point guard again, just because um, not necessarily like as good a, a guy as DeLon Wright, or even as good as Corey Joseph played uh, occasionally to our, to our frustration during the season. Mm-hmm. But uh Someone who on nights when, you know, Killian and Cade, like both don't fully have it. Someone who can offer them, you know, competent NBA point guard play. So the rest of the guys 
can get, you know, the adequate development that, that they need to on that night. And so I, I brought up Ish Smith uh, last night. Like, that would be fine. Jeff Teague would be fine. DJ Augustin would be fine. It's like, again, these are guys who are, like, definitely not going to help you win games, but are veteran point guards who, like, know how to open uh, sets and get everybody into position and, and make things happen on an NBA court. And so, like, yeah, I would, I would be interested in see if the the Pistons pick up one of like those type of players. But like, I also know that like we're not going to get Jeff Teague rumors like the night before free agency either, right? <laughs> so like, I, I get it. Um, yeah, but the Pistons have been linked to uh, two big free agents or two big men free agents uh, this morning from uh, Hoopsype. They're rumored to be looking at Kelly Olynyk, uh, who's traded to the Houston Rockets last year. Uh, at the trade deadline as part of the what trade was that part of i forget that I, that might have been the oladipo trade not a hundred percent on that i think it was yeah i think it yeah it was because he was in miami okay yeah that was the oladipo trade um he averaged like 20 like almost 20 points and like almost nine rebounds a game for houston at the end of the season uh formed a really nice uh dynamic like uh, five out lineup with christian wood as christian wood got healthy towards the end of the season uh, help the Rockets uh, stay in some of those games that they weren't uh, earlier. And then uh, Nerlens Noel is the other guy they were linked to. Uh, Nerlens, obviously the um, the starting center. He's, he played uh, he played a lot of center for the Knicks. Uh, was part of their playoff rotation. Was a was a actually like a not insignificant part of the reason why they were as good as they were defensively. Um, the top five defense last season, if I remember correctly. And so, Ben, do you, do you have any uh, do you have any interest in like Kelly Olynyk or Nerlens Noel on the Pistons next year? Well, talk about opposite sides of the spectrum as big, <laughs> yeah, right? Point, yeah. <laughs> like mirror images of each other. Um, you know, I, I think there's merit to both of these guys. Um, Olynyk's a guy who I I do not enjoy watching him play, but he always seems to produce at least on offense, right? He he I think was a pretty important part. Of, of Miami's rotation mm-hmm. uh, prior to being traded um, gives you some of that stretchiness at the five position um, that, you know, a lot of NBA teams are looking for right now. And it, as you mentioned, is a capable rebounder too, right? So uh, defensively, I think are, are where people are going to ask questions and I, and I would ask those questions as well. And then the Nerlens is sort of the flip side of the coin scores the ball at a really high rate inside and the overwhelming majority of his very few buckets that he gets every night uh, come really close to the rim, but defensive is his calling card, right? So um, yeah, I mean, I would be curious to see if either one of those guys want to come play for Detroit, especially in the Netherlands, who's still, you know, still in his twenties, right? Like he, he would, at least if I were him, be looking to make one more somewhat decent contract right before I'm looking for those vet minimum or, or um, slightly higher contracts. But um, yeah, I I think I'd be fine if either one of those guys ended up on a, on the Pistons, if, if the role is clearly defined, right. And if, if neither one of them expects to be starting and playing big minutes over Isaiah Stewart, but both of them are obviously capable and skilled just in very different ways. No, absolutely. So Ben, I think uh, I think part of the reason uh, Nerlens was also kind of linked to Detroit is because apparently I did not know this. I learned this today. Apparently, he's really good friends with Jeremy Grant. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, and, and they've maintained from their uh, early process days in, in Philadelphia. Okay, yeah. And so that's 
part of the reason why he might be interested in uh, in, reu- in a re- uh, reuniting uh, in Detroit. But yeah, I, I thought this was interesting, right? Like Nerlens has a good chance to start on a team that like should make the playoffs next year in the, yeah. in the Knicks, and yeah. and they have a lot of centers, but still, like you know, he was a again, he was a not insignificant part of their uh, what made their defense click. Um, Olenek, I thought was a little bit more interesting, more intriguing. Again, uh, we're looking for that stretch element to help facilitate the development of you know Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes and and the other guys. Um, I, I don't think you can like reasonably expect Olenek to score 19 points a night like he did at the second half of last season. But uh, he's definitely, you know, been a part of multiple playoff teams, been a, a important rotation piece for like some of those Boston Celtics teams under Brad Stevens, not that long ago in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, yeah, it'd be, uh, I don't know if either of those guys we were like, are like necessary for this team right now. That's like, that's the thing that kind of gets me, but they wouldn't be bad additions, uh, I guess, d- depending on like what the salary structure looks like. Yeah, and you can see the merits of it. I think, you know, if I'm Nerlens Noel, right, I, I'm hanging my hat on my defense. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a coach I'd rather play for than Thibodeau, right? Like, yeah, almost an ideal coach to play for in an up-and-coming-ish team in New York. So, I don't know, may- maybe the friendship with Jeremy Grant brings him here, but it seems like a pretty ideal scenario for him in New York, to be honest. Yeah. The other thing I will say is that if if either of those guys did come to Detroit, but they did so on a contract that paid them more than what Mason Plumlee was making, like, yeah, that feels a little bit like a waste, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I like both of those individuals, but like not to the point where it was quote unquote like worth trading Mason Plumlee to get Nerlens Noel or Kelly Olynyk, right? Like that that doesn't make much sense. Um, another guy that I don't have on the sheet. But uh, that was, you know, rumored in like the last couple hours as a link to Detroit was Tim Hardaway Jr., old, old uh, Michigan, uh, John, uh, Jim Beeline, John Beeline, excuse me, John Beeline, a friend of the program, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, ben, what do you think about the potential of adding a THJ to the Pistons? OK, that is super interesting. I have not seen that rumor, but uh, he is one of the guys I currently have pulled up on my screen as we were talking about free agency. Right. Like he's one of the guys I looked at. Uh, as a potential, but I didn't. I didn't think about the, the John Beeline connection. I didn't think of why he would want to come here. But you know, I like THJ's game. I was a fan of his in college. But look, I got him totally wrong. I was very skeptical that his game would translate well. But he stretched his range very effectively and carved has carved out a very nice, you know, NBA career considering what he did in college. Um, yeah, I mean, he would be a type, a player type, a player archetype that I think would make a whole lot of sense. Doesn't dominate the ball. Um, comes from that beeline offense, which is very team and movement oriented. Mm-hmm. And is is the type of player you'd love to pair with two young ball handling guards, right? He's been in the league for a number of years. He understands how to play the game. He doesn't need to take the ball away from those young guys, and he can, he can shoot. Um, so, yeah, he, he would absolutely be an interesting player. To add, or a player, you know, players like him would be the kinds of wings I would be looking to add, right? Yeah, uh, I joked about this on Twitter when I saw the rumor. It's like that—that's taking the like Luka Doncic, Cade Cunningham comparisons, like really literally, just, like, <laughs> yeah. taking taking Cade's wingman or taking right. Luka's wingman and giving him to Cade. Like that—that's kind of funny. Um, I I do like THJ's game. Uh, I think the the thing that made him less interesting to a lot of people was like the ridiculous offer sheet he got 
from the Hawks that got matched by the Knicks. Mm-hmm. And so he's been maybe like slightly overpaid relative to his production for a couple of years. And so I think that makes him uh, like that, that puts him in a less favorable light in people's eyes, but he's been a really good player, right? When you just look at what he's been able to produce and uh, like the skill set that he has um, the, and so like, I would, I would be a fan of, of adding him to the team. It's just like that. Then you start getting into getting into, you know, how you find minutes for some of these other guys who are on the roster and that actually that complicates things for one of the Pistons restricted free agents. So Ben, would you rather have Tim Hardaway Jr. or Hamadou Diallo? Well, that's a good question. Yeah. So, you know, again, similar positions, but very different types of player. And of course, Diallo's mm-hmm. a, a bit younger. Um, right now, I think THJ is the better overall player. Um, but I think, boy, if I'm Troy Weaver, I'm I'm really intrigued by the remaining upside, right? Like THJ, I think is a, a pretty much a finished product, right? Like given his age and where he's at in his career, he's, he is who he is. Um, Diallo, you're still hoping for a consistent jump shot. And if he gets that, he could actually, I think, surpass by T surpass DH THJ by a bit, right? Cause that athleticism is just so tantalizing. Um, so I, I guess for me, it would depend on knowledge I don't have, which is, you know, what is that, what is that jumper looking like? over the off season and, and has there been significant enough improvement, um, you know, where you want to pay Diallo, you know, probably quite a bit more money than you were paying him a season ago. Yeah. Yeah. The, when I, I was thinking about this and the thing that gets me is that like, if you, if you sign Tim Hardaway jr. Um, like he is in fact, probably like a better player right now than Hamadou, but uh, his skill set is something that's duplicated across the rest of the roster, right? Like Sadiq Bey does a lot of the same things that Tim Hardway Jr. does. Um, Cade Cunningham does a lot of the like shooting and off-motion shooting uh, things that Tim Hardway Jr. does, and he also does more, which is like why he was the number one overall pick in the draft. Um, you know, a, a guy like Frank Jackson, who they also own the restricted free agency rights on, um, smaller than Tim Hardaway Jr., probably uh, just as... Uh, uh, just as much of an issue defensively as Tim Hardaway Jr., but uh, does a lot of the same things on offense and probably would be significantly cheaper, right? And so, like, but but Hamadou, the Pistons don't really have anybody else on the roster right now who can attack the rim in the half court with the, like, ferocity and fluidity that, that Hamadou can. Um, and so I think, and, like, that element, I think, is, uh, it complements, like, Cade and Killian's games really well because those guys aren't as aggressive because those guys aren't as athletic. I think having that extra like athletic driving slashing element, um, you know, just gives you multiple things to be able to throw at a defense at one time. And, and so I think it's like, I don't, don't hold me to this forever, but like, I think I would rather have Hamadou for this particular team. But um, that, but like, that's only because of what, uh, like his skill set, I think is better used uh, for this team right now than than Tim Howard Juniors. But yeah, that would be that's a really that's an interesting like thought experiment, right? Like, what do you want the for a team that's like maybe maybe wants to make the play in tournament, like maybe wants another top ten pick, you know, uh, is willing to play a lot of the young guys and kind of let the season like fall where it may uh, with the wins and losses. 
Like, would you want the more uh, established, experienced, like veteran guy with a clearly defined skill set, or are we still like kind of chasing the upside and and the potential, um, you know, lowercase s stardom of of Hamadou Diallo? Yeah, I, I say swing for the fences in that case. I think that's a really good way to think about it. Swing for the fences, take some risks because we're still we're still a few years away. I think from being relevant. Yeah, for for sure. All right, Ben. Uh, that's that's everything I got. Uh, you got anything else? No, man. This is fun. I'm I'm so excited for summer league. I'm I'm more excited for summer league than I think I've ever been, which I think is probably true for a lot of people. So hurry up and get here, summer league. Let's watch some of these young guns play. Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, Keith Langlois pointed this out um, in his tweet about like the the summer league schedule for the Pistons. It's like Pistons have a lot of uh, prime time games in summer league. It's like uh, you That's get the number one overall pick. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you get the number one overall pick. No one wants to watch your games, or you, they no longer put your games at like one o'clock in the afternoon anymore. <laughs> right. That's nice. All right, Ben, let the people know uh, where they can find you, where they can find uh, your thoughts on the Pistons and, and summer league uh, this off season. Yeah, at BR Golcron Twitter is a great place to connect. Also, Olympics will be wrapping up shortly. I have been watching so much of the Olympics. They're so much fun. So at BR Golker on Twitter, always in the comments for the podcast post. Keep the feedback coming. Uh, it's fun to interact any way we can. No, absolutely. And of course, uh, you can. I've not been following the Olympics as closely. It's uh, the games, the, the tape delay really throws me off. I would rather just watch the game live um, than like watch it knowing the result because I'm going to get the result one way or the other. And so, like, you probably shouldn't talk to me about the Olympics. Send that to Ben. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. This has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you all next week. See you.